0: The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Please turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 11. Uh, We are going to continue this week in our series called Spiritual Disciplines, Glorifying God Through Humble Obedience. Now tonight, we're going to be discussing the spiritual discipline of prayer. Now, as I've said in past weeks, the point of this series is not to make you feel guilty about a lack of spiritual discipline and get you to buckle down and do your duty as a Christian. Instead, the point of this series is to stir and awaken a desire in you to participate in these beautiful freedom gifts that are available to us because of the perfect life Sacrificial death and triumphant resurrection of Jesus, our Savior King. We're looking at this as an invitation to participate in these spiritual disciplines. Now, discipline from a sense of duty alone will not produce what God wants us to have through these disciplines. These things are commanded, uh, and these are things that <clears throat> are at least heavily suggested in the scriptures. These are normative patterns for the Christian life, but God doesn't want us to just do this out of a sense of duty because doing that alone will not lead to what God intends. What'll happen is if it's just duty that leads you towards these disciplines, what'll happen is either it'll last for a while and then it will falter off. Anybody ever made a commitment to some kind of discipline, whether it be spiritual or otherwise, and you when you started it, you were so sure, I'm, I'm gonna stick with it this time, and then it didn't, it didn't follow all the way through. Has that ever happened to anybody other than me? Yes, okay. So either that happens or... Even if you can stick it out, maybe you're just that 1 in 20 that's so personally disciplined you can stick it out. Even if it's out of a sense of duty, it's still going to lack the transformative power that it's meant to have. And so 1 Timothy four 7, we've talked about this every week. Basically, this is a guide rail we're using to help us along the way keep our hearts right about the ideas we're talking about, these spiritual disciplines. 1 Timothy four seven. Admonishes us to do this. It says, discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Now, last week, I asked you a question, and it's going to determine the fruitfulness of this study for you. Uh, The question is, what do you want to be? I've asked you this every week throughout the series because uh, it's not that I think you can't remember or forget. It's just so important that we go at this from the right angle that we don't get pulled into kind of a works-based, drudgery, duty-based, you know, just kind of condemnation about spiritual disciplines. We we need to have a purpose because if there's not a purpose to these things, they definitely won't last and they won't have the power that Jesus wants them to have for us. So the question is, what do you want to be? Now, God already has an opinion about this and he's made it very vibrantly clear. In Romans 8.29, the Bible says that, God, that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so God has a vision for what he wants us to be, and it's, he wants us to be like Jesus. And for us to be like Jesus is very much the same as saying we want to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, because Jesus is the expressed image, the exact representation of God on the earth. Jesus showed us what God is like. He said that many times. His disciples would say, show us the Father, and Jesus would be like Fellas, how long have I been with you? Like, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so for us, godliness and Christlikeness, these things are synonymous. God wants us to be like Jesus. My, my, the, the big push then is, the, the question is, do you have any desire in you to be like Jesus? None of what we're going to talk about, if godliness is not a desire for you, if, so, if that's not something that you would hope for to grow in, uh, Almost invariably, what we're talking about will turn into duty if it happens at all. Uh, But if there's a purpose behind it, if we want to be like Jesus, we can see the beauty of what God's doing with these things and why he's invited us to partake in these freedom gifts of spiritual discipline. Desire always precedes true discipline. You have to have a desire first. Uh, If you're just doing it because or because someone guilted you into it or told you you had to... uh, it's not going to accomplish what it's meant to. So tonight we are asking God to cultivate in us a greater desire for prayer than we have ever had. And we're going to hope that that desire gives birth to joy-filled and disciplined prayer lives. Amen? Now, I'm going to teach for a while on prayer, uh, and then I've invited some folks to come and lead us in prayer together as a congregation. And part of why I've done that is, Uh, I think if we're going, if our stated goal is to stir in us a a passion uh, for prayer, I think one of the ways we can best do that is to pray together. And so uh, this is going to go, the the intention is for me to preach shorter than normal, um, and uh, I'm going to need God's help for that. You can say amen, I know. Uh, But, and then we're going to spend some time praying together, and um, I've invited some folks to come and lead us. So praise God for that, I'm excited for all of what God's going to do. Uh, with us, in us, and and through us tonight. Amen. So we're at Luke 11, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4, okay? It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Praise God for his word. First of all, this may have sounded familiar to you, but, but different. This is a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer, which is recorded in Matthew 6. We're going to work from this text tonight. Uh, one big truth we learn right away from these four verses on the subject of prayer, the importance of prayer in the Christian life, uh, and this, this may seem self-evident, but it's, it's definitely worth saying, the big truth I want to pull out first is Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. The Master prayed. Uh, we know that Jesus is a part of the Trinitarian Godhead, that though he was man, he was also God. And so uh, you may think, well, well, why would Jesus need to pray to the Father? And that's going to that's gonna help us even understand some of the nature and character of prayer. Uh, but it starts out saying that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, and then after he had finished, that's when his disciples said, uh, teacher, we teach us to pray. And so we see that, Jesus, that the life of Jesus was marked by prayer uh, all throughout. And then we see that that elicited in his disciples a desire to want to be able to pray like him. They, they humbly came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, so first of all, just right off the bat, if we're going to talk about prayer, is it important? Is it something a Christian should care about? Is it a spiritual discipline that's going to bring value for us? And is it going to bring glory to God? The very fact that Jesus prayed and prayed often and prayed long and, uh, and he prayed hard. These, these very simple facts, should we could almost stop there. If, if I'm a Christian, that means I'm seeking to be Christ-like. I want to follow in the steps of my master Jesus. He was a man of prayer. And so you could almost just stop there, but we'll we'll add some more to that. But that would be, for me, a huge factor on determining the importance of prayer in the Christian life, okay? Jesus prayed. We cannot possibly hope to grow. Let me say it again. We cannot possibly hope to grow in godliness without prayer. It will not happen, okay? So we're going to answer three questions tonight, and uh, we could take a whole sermon easily on each of these. So not everything that could be said will be. But this will be a great launchpad for you to pursue uh, further study yourself uh, or just talk about it with friends and and a community group this week. Um, So basically, don't send me an email saying, well, I can't believe you didn't say this about prayer. There's a lot more that could be said, okay? Amen. All right. So what are the the questions? We're going to answer what is prayer, why do we pray, and how do we pray, okay? What is prayer? First of all, prayer boiled down to the simplest statement I could come up with and, and other writers that I've seen. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is communication with God. Now, this is, this is one of those things that has a duality in its nature. It's, it's, this is very simple. Prayer is communication with God. And yet, though it is very simple, it is not simplistic. It is also deeply profound and almost unable to grasp if you think about what it is we're actually talking about because we're talking about communicating with God. God, who is the one that spoke and created all things, the one who is eternal and timeless, totally sovereign. His throne is above every other throne. He's omniscient. He's benevolent. He's he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the perfect author of scripture. He is the one that has breathed life into every single one of us. He is the supreme over everything and we get to communicate with him and he has made that possible through Christ. And so though communication with God is is simple enough to understand because we we need to do that. We need to understand there's a duality because sometimes when when people understand just how profound it is to to pray, to communicate with God, it causes them to overcomplicate it all the way around. It is okay for us to simply say, through Christ, God has made a way that we can communicate with him. Prayer is communication with God. And yet it is deeply profound. First of all, from the fact that we should understand right off the bat, there is maybe no greater privilege you will ever be afforded than to utter words towards heaven and that the God of the universe would hear them and answer. You have, you have not been given a gift more precious than that, ever. Ever that God himself would talk to you. Now, it takes a humble understanding of, of our own sinful nature, of our inadequacy to approach God in and of ourselves, to be thankful for the fact that it's because Christ came, lived the perfect life we couldn't, then died the death we should have, that we can be called righteous. It's by faith alone. It's a merciful gift from God that we get to approach him and, and be invited in like sons and daughters, that, that we can do what the book of Hebrews says and walk boldly into the throne room of God. The Mighty One. Praise God for the simplicity of prayer, and yet, how profound it really is. So, what is, so? If, if, if we're saying that prayer is communication with God, what does that look like? Well, communication consists of speaking and also listening, right? Where do we see that, you know, don't just take my word for it, is, is, is prayer communication with God, or is it something deeper, more mystical than that? Well, his disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says to them, when you pray, say, and then he gives them this template for prayer, right? And so we see this example in when he's asked directly, Lord, "Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, He says, speak, speak to God, okay? Uh, We see that that's the way Jesus prays. We see all throughout the Old and New Testament when people address God, we are allowed to speak to him. Now, the fact that we get to use, I have to imagine our, our rough rudimentary language just it's it's got to sound like nails on a chalkboard compared to whatever what whatever the 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 medium of language is in heaven man it's got it's got to be sound so beautiful it would just blow your mind you can't even possibly conceive but but god will he'll 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 come down on our level and communicate with us it's pretty precious thankful for that uh so we can speak to god but also we 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 need to also listen communication goes both ways and and most of the time when we think of communication uh we think if, if we say somebody's a good communicator, what, what do we typically mean? We mean they're a good talker. Um, but really, the, the, the best essence of communication is being a good listener. But it's important for us to, to think about what we're listening for, okay? Because there's, there's some confusion about what that looks like, to listen in prayer. When I say we should be listening as a part of prayer, it doesn't mean we're emptying our minds and and, and l- and listening necessarily for some new or special revelation. We're definitely not turning inward, looking for some inner light and answer. But what we're doing is we're looking for God's voice, and we're looking for that to primarily come through his word. Now, am I saying that God will never speak something to you specifically about a situation that is not based out of his word. I'm not saying that. I believe God will do that as a merciful act. He'll address the situation that you're in. But I think oftentimes, the things we're bringing before God, the guidance and wisdom, the questions that we have are addressed in his word. And I believe that is the primary, hear me, primary way that he has chosen to reveal himself and to communicate his will to us. Can I back that up? Well, Psalm 119 says that your word is a lamp Unto my feet, right. And so, when it comes to seeking guidance from God, uh, He has He has pointed us to His Word. His Word is a lamp to our feet. And and we typically would like God to give us much <clears throat> longer and more detailed answers than He does, because we overassume our ability to kind of hang with Him when it comes to what we understand. Uh, you know, the prophet was smart. He said. Lord, your thoughts are way higher than mine, and I understand that I cannot hang with you. But oftentimes we think we can, and we, we would like God to you know, kind of draw us a chart and a map of the next five years. The Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet. So you go out into a dark night on a trail, and you've got a lamp. Uh, you, know, you can see a little ways ahead, but you can't see the entirety of that thing, and God in his gracious mercy is going to do the same thing with you because most of us, if God just lit up the whole path and showed you everything for the next however many years you have left in your life, your, your brain would just melt and fall out your ears. You couldn't handle it, right? You'd either have anxiety or fear. Or you, you, we, we can't possibly. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what it is God has intended for those who love him. So, uh, we we can't we can't hang, but we we know that his word is a lamp, and he is faithful to light up enough in front of us so that we can take faithful and faith filled steps um and and that's something that could help us not to be frustrated with God because we we would like to know you know the six month plan and god's trying to get us you know to obey Him in the six day plan right like let's just get these next six days under control, and then then we'll worry about the next thing right and that's that's not <clears throat> That's not him being mean to us. That's him loving us real good. So praise the Lord for that. John 14, 25, and 26, Jesus is teaching, and he says, uh, I, I've said all these things to you, and here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will remind you of all that I have said. And so there's this idea, I think, sometimes, and, and, and even sometimes it's labeled things like listening prayer, and there's, there's certain movements where... Um, not, not that meditation, meditation should be a part of, of the Christian life. We should meditate on God's word. There's definite value in silence and just letting uh, the Holy Spirit speak to us and deal with us. But there's, there's this idea of um, I, in prayer, I need to try to go get some new thing from God he hasn't said yet. And what I'm saying to you, dear friends, is Jesus described the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit here reminding us of what he's already said. And the, and the truth is, Many of us have been frustrated because God won't give us some new command. And the reason there hasn't been some new command is because we've forgotten what he's already said or been unwilling to obey what he's already said. And so uh, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a gift to remind us of what Jesus has said. And uh, much of what he said is contained in his word. Praise God. Okay. so. Um, that, that is what is prayer. Prayer is communication with God. We should speak to God. We should listen to God. Simple but deep. And uh, that, that duality, you know, we've we got to leave that tension there because it, it, it is and trying to make it go away would just be dishonest. So that's what is prayer. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Now, th- this is definitely one of those places where a lot more could be said. We're just going to we're going to deal with uh, a few things on this. So why do we pray? First of all, because we communicate with those that we love. Why do we pray? Because we communicate with those that we love. Peter wrote this. This is 1 Peter 1.8. Friend, let, let, this, let this just soak in. Let this, use, the, the Bible describes itself as a mirror. We're supposed to pick this book up. We're supposed to let it be a mirror that reflects to us an image. And we, we look into it. And, and when, when stuff like I'm about to read to you is said, what we should do is see how, how does my image reflect stack up to that let's let's read this here's what he said says though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy these are the words of Peter though you have not seen him you love him We know that when Jesus was questioned, what is the most important commandment, teacher? He said this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. We know that in the book of 1 John, we're taught in several different ways. God is love. And if we don't love him, if love is not first, if it's not the thing that's pushing us towards these spiritual disciplines, if this is not a love-based relationship, the whole thing, that's why it can't just be duty, friends. It can't be, because that's not really what God wants. That's not what he's called us to. He loves us, and he's proved it undeniably by sending Christ to die for us. And what he wants is a relationship. And so the the first reason I wanted to give you of why we pray is that we, don't we, shouldn't we communicate with those that we love? And God wants to communicate with us. Hallelujah. If you're not happy about that, you didn't hear me, or you're asleep, or something's wrong with you. I'm glad he loves me. I know I'm not deserving in and of myself of that kind of love, inexpressibly deep, beautiful love, eternal love. Thankful for that. That's reason number one, because we communicate with those we love. Reason number two is because Jesus prayed. We talked about that a little bit already, and he expects us to pray. We we saw the example here in Mark 11, that he was off by himself praying, and then when he was done, disciples were smart. They waited till the master was done. They didn't go up to tap him on the shoulder when he's talking to the, the father, right? They stayed out of his business. When he comes back, they said, teacher, will you, will you teach us to pray? We've got that account. The New, Te- the, the New Testament, the Gospels, obviously, specifically are just peppered with examples of Jesus saying, everybody, hold on, i got to go over here <laughs> and go talk to the father for a minute. He was constantly uh, in prayer. Uh, John 17 is the longest recorded prayer we have of Jesus. I would encourage you to go read that later. I couldn't get into it tonight because I'm trying to leave time for people to pray. And if I get into John 17, the high priestly prayer, we ain't going anywhere. Nobody's having any time for anything because that's good stuff. Okay, so but John 17, long prayer recorded of Christ. Tons of the Gospels. Tons of the content there uh, is either talking about Jesus off praying or hearing him pray. Uh, Jesus prayed. And that's that's a huge part of why it's a non-negotiable for us that follow him. Prayer should mark the lives of every follower of Jesus. But he also expects us to pray. Uh, We see this in Matthew 6 when he teaches on prayer. He says, when you pray, several times, when you pray. So there's this this expectation of the master that those who follow him, they're going to be people of prayer. It's an assumption on his part. Uh, Luke 18 says, Luke, kind of in, in his commentary on it, is saying, Jesus told this parable, and here was the point of the parable. He said, Jesus told this so that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. So Jesus is telling parables and stories to teach people this premise that they should be praying at all times and that they should not lose heart. The New Testament echoes uh, this idea frequently. I'll just give you a couple examples. Colossians 4.2 tells us we should devote ourselves to prayer. That doesn't sound like kind of a haphazard, if I have time, devote yourself to prayer. It should be a devoted part. Uh, much of our attention and our affection uh, should be poured into that. So that's Colossians 4.2. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 uh, says, pray without ceasing or continually. Uh, so taken all together, we see that Jesus definitely prayed. We see that he expects us to pray. Uh, we see that through his ministry, the way he taught about it. We see also that he inspired those who wrote the rest of the New Testament to encourage us in that way as well. Uh, it's it's just it's just not optional. Um, and and part of that, if you if you start with the first premise that this that prayer is not some. Uh, Duty that God has put on his people because he just wants to see if you can be committed to it or he just wants to command some big piece of your time so that way you're not out doing other stuff, right? That's, that's not the thing. Friend, get this. God wants to talk to you. God wants to fellowship with you. He wants to be near you. He wants to speak to you. And he wants you to speak to him. You know, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we, we paint the picture with words of how important God is, of how big he is, of how other he is, that he's holy and he's the only one and his throne's above every other throne and that his, his, his eternality is, is un, we can't even totally grasp it. He's so big and wonderful, beautiful, majestic, holy. We can't even totally grasp it. And so for us, it's hard then to see and to understand how, how a person that big would, would want to mess with us because most of the time important people don't mess with not important people right? Isn't that right? They just don't have time for him. But God isn't like that. Part of, part of his power, part of his eternality, part of how he is omniscient and all-knowing, he's omnipresent and he's everywhere at once, he is not restricted like we are. And so we, we could all get up tomorrow morning and we could lift our eyes towards heaven and we could speak to God and he can, he can simultaneously be dealing with all of us and it, he's not taxed by it one bit. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he's rejoicing that we bring joy to the heart of God as we come to him and we communicate with him. Hallelujah. He's, 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 not, he's not like a dad that's, you know, get out of here, I don't have time for him. I'm doing this, I'm watching this. He delights. He delights in the prayers of his people. He delights in conversation with you. And uh, man, if that love thing is first, if I really love him, I'm gonna want to, I wanna bring joy to the heart of God. I wanna bless him. Because he's been so good to me. Amen. Uh, third, third reason is humble recognition that we need Jesus. The third reason we pray is it's humble recognition that we need Jesus. Jesus said he's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But if we're honest, that's not functionally how we often live. Oftentimes we live as if apart from him we can do most things, but when it gets real bad, then I need him. I'm alone? Okay, okay, okay. I'll take your holy silences. I'm the only one that's ever acted that way. Uh-huh. Okay. No, no, that's we know that's true. We know we have a tendency towards self-sufficiency. That was the problem of our first parents and it's 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 a perennial sin tendency in all of us. We think we don't need God. We think we can do it better than God. We think there's a path aside from the path he has for us that might be better. We believe the dumb lie that maybe he's holding some good thing from us and we need to go find that, and every single time we take any of those paths, it leads to pain and death and destruction for us and those around us. That's true all the time, every time. If we just really believed that and kept it in the front of our heads, we would avoid a whole lot of trouble. Amen. Now, we need to humbly recognize that we need Jesus, and and approaching God in prayer is one way that we do that. There was a guy, his name was John Bridge, he was one of the most famous bomb diffusers on the Allied side in World War II. Uh, it's said that he diffused hundreds of bombs and saved definitely thousands of lives. This guy, if you read some of the stories about him, he would, if, if there was a bomb under a bridge, they didn't even know what was going on yet, this guy would just strip down to his skivvies, dive in there and go grab this thing. And he, he, he was a physics teacher before he got drafted into this work, and he would just he was fearless. He would get into tiny little spaces, man, where if something went wrong, it, he was done for. And over and over again, um, he just, he had this ability to to defuse these bombs. He received uh, some of the highest medals that somebody can receive in England because uh, he, he did things that people thought were impossible. He was defusing bombs that people thought, there's no way, man, you'd, you'd be dead. And uh, so his name was John Bridge. Now, this, you should go check out his story. He's Pretty, pretty cool guy. Uh, but so, Now, just imagine with me, and you're going to have to use your imagination a bit. Imagine that you're out in your backyard, or if you're in an apartment or something, you don't have a backyard. Imagine you're at your friend's house, okay, and, and you guys have been on Pinterest, and you saw this, this beautiful little raised herb garden. You know, you want to grow yourself some peppermint, some coriander, maybe a little thyme, something like that. Okay, so you're out in the backyard, and you're digging to, to do this raised garden, and, and you throw your shovel down, and you hear this tink, right? And so... So you start digging around, you start unearthing whatever this metal thing is that you hit, and you figure out, man, you unearth this this decommissioned or whatever World War II bomb sitting underneath the ground. Now, all of the literalists in the room are like, I'm in Cincinnati, why would there be any World War II bombs here? I asked you, history buff, to use your imagination, okay? You still got one of those? I've watched so much TV, I can't imagine. I know, just, just try hard. This is a good exercise for you. You found a bomb, all right? World War II or not, okay? But uh, so you you find this bomb and you're and you're trying to dig it to get it out of this because there's only one space in the yard that gets the right sun for your coriander to grow, so it's got to go right here. And uh, so you're gonna, you're digging this bomb up and 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 you try to pry it out and the thing starts ticking. Now, here's my question: if you if you had John Bridge's phone number the number one World War II bomb diffuser. This guy saw everything that was out there and he had a 100% success rate because he didn't get blown up, right? You had his phone number. What would be the smart move when that thing starts ticking? Would it be like, hey, give me some wire cutters, I'm going to handle this. Is is that good step one? Can we be honest though? Because that's... Oftentimes how we deal with life, and, and I realize this wouldn't make it on a motivational poster, but I'm just going to say the truth. Sometimes life's like diffusing bombs, man, like on a daily basis. When it comes to temptation, difficulties, challenges, people, all the stuff, man, there is pressurized situations all the time. And, and those things oftentimes can blow up in your face. And we oftentimes treat like we don't need John Bridges' number. We don't need to call anybody. Either, either we do that, you know, we, we grab some cutters and we're going to go in there and just pick the red wire because I saw that on a movie, or sometimes people, man, that thing will start ticking, and they're like, well, give me a couple beers. Maybe it'll quit. You know what I mean? Like they, they just ignore, <laughs> figure out some way to ignore the situation. <laughs> just ignore the bomb. Maybe it'll go away. Or I'll, I'll go do something else. or what, You know what I mean? And very often what we don't do is dial up the person that has the answers, right? And when it comes to life, we, we have something far superior than being able to have contact to John Bridges, we we can talk to God at any time. God knows the details of every situation you're in, every challenge you're up against, every temptation that you're facing, and he has said, come to me. Come, I want to help you. I want to empower you and show you. I don't want that to blow up in your face. I don't want you to have another catastrophic situation that steals time and energy and resources from you and stops you from being a vibrant part of what I'm doing in the earth. If I hit a bomb in the backyard, I'm, I, I understand I don't have the tools, <laughs> the know how, I don't know what to do with that. I, I, I need to get some help. And we need to humbly acknowledge we need Jesus every minute of every day. And, and that's what I'm saying. Oftentimes we think, you know, the, the, the bomb in this analogy is just the really bad stuff. But man, every day there's potential for us to make poor choices. There's there's always situations trying to stack up against us. There's difficulties and opposition at every turn. And ultimately, we need the help of Jesus to navigate any of this. Because let's be honest, we've all had stuff blow up that had we sought the Lord, had we been humble and had we used wisdom and asked for his help, we could have avoided that. He would have said, take the clippers off the red wire, hit the blue wire. That's the one you want, right? He could have helped us. We're just snipping stuff, right? Or... Turn around and don't look at it. Maybe it'll stop, right? Um, different variations of this have been said before, but this is something that I think needs to be said, and this is a good juncture to say it. Prayer is much more like a radio in wartime than it is an intercom to call the butler. And oftentimes I think we seek to try to have lives that are, that are very comfortable and then it comes to the point where it's it's only when we think of maybe you know some other thing I'd like to have that we we, we treat prayer as if I'm you know you're you're laying in your you're laying in your in your big king size bed in your mansion you just you hit the hit the intercom like you know Lord I could I could use name your thing right that's that's not what prayer is prayer is much more like the communication devices people were using uh, to, to call John <laughs> to come get this bomb right because there is a war out there. Uh, there is spiritual warfare. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and forces of darkness that are trying to undo every good thing God does and trying to twist us up and get us out of the game of, of bringing God glory or furthering his kingdom. There is a battle. There is a war. And, and, and just like the Matrix, Satan's number one goal is to try to get you to not understand that any of that's going on, to get you as comfortable as possible to think, you know, uh, Man, you know, there, I thought of something else that would make me more comfortable. God, could you do that? As opposed to understanding and, 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 and the realization and the reality of the situation is, that there's, there is there is a war going on and I'm in it. And I need his help and I need the help of other Christians. And so uh, we, prayer should be for us like a radio in wartime. Um, and if it's been for you like an intercom to call the butler, first of all, understand God's not... He ain't no butler. That wasn't good English. I know. I'm I'm trying to make a point. God is not your butler. He's the king of glory. And yet, the king of glory humbled himself, became a man, lived the perfect life you could not and submitted himself to death on a cross on your behalf, had the heart, the mind of a servant. He served you all the way to death. The greatest became the lowest. For your sake. What an example. Hallelujah. Because we communicate with those we love. Because Jesus prayed and expects us to pray. And out of humble recognition that we need Jesus. uh, These are the reasons we pray. Now how do we pray? First of all I want to say that's not a ridiculous question. It's a reverent question. You might look at the disciples and say... Guys, what do, you, what do you mean, how do you pray? It's just communication with God. But, and yes, but the duality must be understood. We're talking about communication with the Supreme One, the God of all glory, the, the, the Eternal One. And so coming, coming with that kind of humble reverence and, and asking God to teach us to pray is a good thing. Uh, that's not ridiculous. And uh, we see that here. The disciples who had been spending a bunch of time with Jesus They understood that they should ask for instruction from the master. So, first of all, I just want you to know that. So, for some of you that feel underqualified in prayer, you don't know where to start, you're discouraged, you can start right here. Lord, will you teach me to pray? You can humbly ask Him that, and He'll meet you there, and He'll help you. And He wants you to. But how do we pray? First of all, I would say authentically. We pray authentically. Uh, In Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching prayer, he says a lot of different things. One of the things he says is, there's those that pray in public, and they pray with big words, and they pray real long, and they say lots of fancy stuff. And basically, the whole point of their prayer is they want people's attention. They want people to notice that they're saying fancy words and that they're smart or that they seem to be connected to God. There's a lot of pretense, and God hates that. He really doesn't like it. And so we need to pray authentically. Um, You can speak to God I, I, you know, again, there's, there's, there's a divergence here. I, 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 want to, I want to come to God and speak to him in language I understand. I don't want to try to just emulate or, or imitate what I've heard other people say. I want to talk to him like a good father, but there does need to be a recognition in the midst of that conversation that I'm talking to God. He is our Holy Father, but he's also a righteous judge and perfect king. King over everything, right? And so, that, that, all that has to be there. But we should pray authentic prayers, true prayers. And, and again, this comes out of a love relationship, right? Like, I, I, I love my wife, and so I, I try not to be pretentious when I communicate with her. I try not to, you know, uh, and she'll know right away anyways if I was. But, you know, when I'm, if, if I'm talking to her, or if, even if I want to say something sweet to her, I'm not, I'm not, like, gliding up to her all smooth and, like, brush, you know, brushing her cheek and, and going, your eyes Are like twin emeralds, glistening in the morning sun. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to remember some line from a Shakespeare play or whatever when I talk to her. I mean, if 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 I'm just being honest, normally it's like, like, hey, girl, you look good. Come cuddle with me. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, you know, I'm not saying, (laughs) I'm not saying I'm never more intentional than that, or, or say fancier things than that. But but like, in large part, yeah, that's that's about what what comes out. So. But here's the thing, like she knows that's real and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny or put on airs or whatever, like I just want to be near and I, and I want her to know that. So, um, you know, don't take that analogy too far. Nothing, no part of, hey girl, you look good, come cuddle with me should translate to your prayer life. I'm just saying, we should be authentic, <laughs> we should be authentic when we pray, okay? We should um, talk like we talk and, and, and just be honest, okay? Um. Sometimes we should pray alone. I'm talking about how do we pray. Luke 5.16 uh, says Jesus would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. He would get away from everybody else. Uh, Matthew 6 also in that same discourse when he's talking about you know, what some people do, praying out in public to get attention, he says what you should do is go and, and be alone. Go close your door. And your, your father who sees that in secret, uh, he'll bless you and he'll meet you there. So sometimes we should pray alone. Uh, but that doesn't mean we should always pray alone. Uh, sometimes we should pray with others. Acts 4.31 says this. It says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So a group of people were praying together. We see this throughout, uh, especially the book of Acts, uh, but other places in the Scriptures. So we should pray alone. There, and, and this, I believe this should... It seems, if you look at the life of Jesus, this was a daily, if not multiple-time day occurrence. He felt the need to get alone with God. And I believe a, a, a specific, disciplined, joy-filled time with God daily, alone, uh, is, is part of what should mark the life of a Christian. Uh, that, can, that can be hard to do, but so is anything that's worth anything. Amen. So we should pray alone, we should pray with others. We should pray often. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, pray without ceasing. We talked about that later. Or I'm sorry, earlier. Or uh, some translations will say continually. And, and that's helpful to get the idea of what's being said. Pray without ceasing. You could think, does that mean basically I just have to sit in my house and pray? No. The idea is that us communicating with God can be integrated into the rest of what we're doing. That no matter what we're doing, we should be able to stay in constant communication with God. Now, is, is there a special time where all I'm doing is praying? I hope so, because there's real value in that. But also, as I'm going, as I'm doing what it is God's called me to do, as I'm working, as I'm playing with my kids, as I'm, whatever it is, I want to be in communication uh, with the Lord. And, and one way to grow in this, I'll just give you this kind of a practical tip, is try, when you're out in public, to pray for everybody. Try to pray for everybody you see. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but there's, there's many giants throughout church history that have said this is something they, they, they began to do. If they saw somebody, they would just, and I'm not talking about you know, a five-minute dissertation. I'm saying as quick as, Lord, will you bless that person? Lord, if that person doesn't know you, would you would you lead them to yourself? Lord, if that person does know you, will you draw them closer to you? And, and I know you may get in some situation where that, that Becomes physically impossible because of the number of people. But I've been, this was on my heart today, actually just thinking through these things. And I pulled up behind this guy. He was in a Honda Accord. Uh, he needed a muffler. Um, just so you can paint the picture. But, so, and he's sitting there. And I was, I was trying to practice this. So I'm just, I, I couldn't even really see him. I'm just like, Lord, whoever's in that car, if they don't know you, will you just lead them to you? And if, if they do know you, Lord, will you just wrap your arms around them? Draw them closer to yourself. And uh, then the, the, light, and the light turned green as, as I was praying that. And uh, I'm—I I wouldn't say I'm exceptionally patient. I wouldn't characterize myself as exceptionally patient. So the light turns green, and, and, and he sits there. So I gave the customary, you know, like three to four—I think three to four seconds, five seconds—is pretty fair. And and normally I'll give somebody that. You know, that's that's better than when I was a younger man. Normally, I mean, if that light turned green, it looked like there was a bit of hesitation. That horn was happening. I got places to be right I'm so important, but <laughs> uh, I gave him like five seconds and and then like the you know the like the physiological urge to, to hit the horn was there but here i I promise you this is true. I was just praying for the guy and and that totally helped me not hit that horn because i just i I had, for, for, that, for that very moment, I may never see that person again, I may never run into them, but I, I, I had a connection to them, and I, I was caring for them, I was loving them, though I didn't know them, and I was asking God to bless them and help them, and I couldn't very well lay on the horn after I just did that, right? And so the more you're praying, I'm, I'm just, I'm challenging you, man, to, to just pray without ceasing, pray for everybody you possibly can, pray for everyone at your work, pray for people you're running into, pray for people at the grocery store, Um. Just lift them up. And this is also something that I learned as a young man that helped with, like, temptation. Temptation towards lust. You see some woman, you know, dressed in something that looks like it belongs in the children's section. Like, you know, and, and, and she's, walking down, she's walking down the street. And, and and if I'm just honest, you know, I'm a red-blooded male. Like, I, there's, there's times where there's a temptation to either my eyes to stay on that too long or for my mind to wander. And one discipline the Lord wove into me in my early 20s was to... First of all, remember what Job said, bounce your eyes, make a covenant with your eyes, look at something else. Even if you crash, just stare at your feet, do something, but don't look at it anymore. But then the other thing is I learned to pray for that person and just say, Lord, and my prayer for people is pretty pretty similar. You're going to see that now, but it's basically, Lord, if they don't know you, will you draw them to yourself? And Lord, if they do know you, will you draw them closer to yourself? And it's very hard to keep lusting about that woman when you just pray for her salvation or for her relationship with the Lord. And, and, and I'm, I'm speaking from a male perspective, but lust is not you know, only a, a problem for males. So I'm just saying it's, it, there's many ways where temptation just doesn't, can't even get off the ground if you're praying without ceasing and if those prayers are focused towards other people, which makes sense, you know, ties into the whole love God, love people, two biggest commandments God gave us. Maybe there's a reason that isn't arbitrary, probably because if we are doing those, the rest will fall into place. Hallelujah. So we should pray often. Um, I will say that as, as soon as uh, I felt the need to honk, and then I just, I just prayed for him one more time. Lord, help him in blessing, no matter how long he sits here. But as soon as I prayed for him the second time, as soon as, soon as I went to pray for him the second time, off, off he went. Now, now, you could say that's a coincidence, and, and, and maybe it was, but Archbishop William Temple said this. I, th- I think it's deep. Coincidences occur much more frequently when I pray. Do with that what you want. So we should pray uh, alone with others. Uh, authentically, we should pray often. We should pray in faith. We should pray in faith. James chapter 1, verses 5-8 through 8 says this, "'But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, "'who gives to all generously and without reproach, "'and it will be given to him.'" But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's pretty important. We have to pray in faith. We should pray and trust that God is good. Now, God is God. And he can answer our prayers with yes, he can answer our prayers with no, he can answer our prayers with later, he can answer our prayers with, Lord, please help me with this thing here, but he's going to actually do this thing over here that you don't understand helps with that, but that's the right way for that to happen. God is God, and we have to have our hands open and, and, and trust and give him the, the, the leeway, not that he needs our permission, but in our hearts, we need to say, Lord, however it is you want to do this. Uh, but we should pray in faith, knowing that if we bring something to him, he's going to care about it, he's going to answer, he's going to help us. we got to pray in faith. Hebrews 11 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. We have to be faith-filled people. It's a gift from God. We need the Holy Spirit's help because we tend towards doubt, Um, but Jesus can help us with that. we got to pray in faith. We can ask God for provision when we pray. We see this uh, here in Luke 11, uh, first of all, he starts with praise. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Uh, and then, then he goes into saying, uh, "Give us each day our daily bread." So we can ask God for provision. Um, we can ask Him to meet our needs. Uh, the Bible says we can bring our our uh, our, our needs to Him, and that He's he, He's got joy in hearing it and joy in answering. Um, I think there's a wise thought given to us in Proverbs 30, though, when it comes to praying for provision. I want to read verses 7, 8, and 9 of Proverbs 30 to you, I'm just going to submit this to you, that when we pray for provision, I believe this is a very wise approach. This is the proverb. Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. That I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. You see the wisdom there? He's saying, don't give me so much that I forget you. But don't give me so little that I scorn you, Lord. And, and, you, and we see Jesus praying that when he says, give us each day our daily bread. Um, that doesn't mean we don't ever have extra to bless others. I believe God does that and will. Uh, but when it comes to our heart and our desire... Um, you Know a desire to, uh, you know, to get rich so that we can gold plate our teeth, our rims, and, and our toiletries is, is not, you know, that's that's not the way of the Lord. Um, there's a lot of waste in the world, there's a lot of foolishness, and uh, we should understand that the more resources we have, the more each of us will be tempted to disobey and basically forget about God. That's that's throughout the scriptures, however, on the other side i got to say this, you can't, you can't make it seem like rich people are godly, poor people are wicked, or poor people are godly and rich people are wicked. The Bible doesn't see it that way. There are righteous rich and there are righteous poor, there are, there are wicked rich and wicked poor throughout the Bible, okay? So socioeconomic status does not desire, it doesn't determine righteousness. Righteousness is by faith through Christ alone. Amen. Okay, we should pray according to his will. We, should, we can ask God for provision. We, can also, we should pray according to his will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Many, many people like the psalm that says, God will give you the desires of your heart. Dear friend, that's, there's a sentence before that that's very important. It says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And you see, the whole point here is that what God wants you to do is delight yourself in him because when you delight yourself in him and you submit yourself to him, what happens is he works in your heart and your will begins to conform. Back to Romans eight twenty nine, that we're being conformed into the image of Christ The more we spend time with Jesus, the more like God we are, the more that our desires line up with his desires and then our prayers change. It becomes less about, Lord, give me something. Lord, I need something. It becomes very much, Lord, how do I help others? Lord, how do I bring you glory? And so as our will is conformed to his will, we will pray very much according to his will. And when we pray according to his will, 1 John says, he hears us. And we know if we've prayed according to his will... If he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Hallelujah. What a promise. In all these spiritual disciplines, I've, I've told you that we want to make sure we take the time to understand how practicing and participating in these freedom gifts uh, reflect or play into God's ultimate purposes in his gospel filling the earth. and. And I think prayer is is very easy uh, to understand. And and one thing I would encourage you to do is is not only to pray the scriptures broadly, uh, as the Holy Spirit reminds you of everything that Jesus has said, but to also pray the gospel. And one place we see this to be really effective is when our outreach teams are are out uh, ministering to people downtown. And, and, you know, oftentimes there is opposition. If, If somebody thinks you're preaching at them, and this doesn't mean we cower away from it and sometimes God opens doors of opportunity and we're able to preach bold truth uh, and, and, and share the gospel with people. But sometimes there's a reticence, sometimes people have been burned by the church, they've got all their reasons, right, that they maybe don't want to hear it. But I, I, I can count in, in over six years and, and thousands of contacts with people, I, could, I can count on one hand how many times somebody said, no, don't pray for me. So offering to pray for people oftentimes can kind of break down that wall. And, and many times people will receive prayer. And one thing I've tried to teach our volunteers to do, and when I hear them do it, it always blesses me And, and because I know what's happening. God is using it for his glory and his gospel is going forth. But when we're praying for people, we'll thank God for the food because we're normally feeding folks, and we'll, we'll pray about whatever they ask us to pray about. But, but then we, we normally end by just thanking God for the gospel. Lord, thank you that Jesus came and lived the life we couldn't, that he died the death we should have and that he rose from the grave. Thank you that because of that we have hope today and for eternity. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel is true and that those that trust you by faith will have hope for eternity. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I would just encourage you to pray the gospel and pray it over people and, and, and be bold in, in, in offering prayer for people. There are people that are pillars and leaders in this church today that did not know Jesus at all. And it came out of an interaction where somebody said, I'll pray for you. Years ago. It was that planted a seed. And today, that family and their 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 whole lineage has changed uh, because someone was bold enough to do that. So uh, I would just encourage you to pray the gospel. Pray it to yourself. Pray it for others. Uh, remind yourself. And, and here's the truth, friends. If, if, <laughs> if on any day you're struggling to be grateful, if on any day you're struggling to have thankfulness, which is God has told us it's his will for us that we be thankful in every situation, if you're struggling with that, just, just stop and think about for a minute the fact that you can pray and ask God to cultivate a gratitude in you for that simple fact. And here's the truth. If the gospel wasn't true, that wouldn't be true. Because we could not approach a holy, perfect God. We could not come to him as sons and daughters if Jesus had not done what he did, which is to be the perfect lamb of God that died in our place. He took the punishment we deserved so that we didn't have to and that we are offered his righteousness now by faith. We don't have to do what he did. We have to believe what he did. It's not by works, it's by faith alone. And because of that today, the gift of salvation is available to each of us. And because of that, dear friends, because the gospel is true, because Jesus did all the work so that we could be saved, we can communicate with God the Father freely. Praise Him for that. Thank God for the gospel today. Thank God for prayer. My great hope in this, friends, and... and, My prayer is that this is a hope that's been cultivated in you, is that we would be a people of prayer. And my hope is that that will lead to the glory of God, and it will be for the good of his people. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies